0: Awesome, man. So, uh, Max Siegelman, everybody. Uh, I'm so excited for this, uh, episode. Uh, I've been following their page for so long now. I've been, you know, I bought a couple of their hats. Some of my friends have been, uh, you know, noticing it too, and they know how happy I am about this episode. So, um, Max Siegelman, uh, for those who don't know, he's the founder of Siegelman stable. Um, they've been absolutely killing it these past couple of years, Um, It's actually a family-owned business fusing uh, harness racing and a luxury sports fashion brand. Um, We're also a portion of all the proceeds go back to numerous therapy groups. So um, really killing it as far as the intersection of sports and and business and and fashion. So Max, uh, thank you so much for. For stopping by, and uh I'm I'm super super hyped up, man. So
1: no, I appreciate you having me, and uh, it's a good looking hat you got on. So like <laughs> uh, I'm in a, in a good space already. Yeah,
0: man. I like I said, so I'm actually pretty picky with hats too. So I always wear hats, and I've been trying the foam trucker hats. Uh, you know that I I still wear those on occasionally, but when I found, um, I think the first time I saw. Siegelman stable was uh was the Kylie Jenner picture I saw that and then I saw you know Aaron Judge wearing it I saw Future wearing it and I was like man this is uh and I, I like the fit like the fit's the biggest thing for me like it just yeah. it's nice so yeah, uh, it's,
1: uh this is our our bread and butter hat but uh we've done the only other hat we've done is a bucket hat yeah uh, i'm not a bucket hat guy personally but plenty of people are but we'll actually be rolling out uh our first dad hat pretty soon too so testing right. the waters with some others we're not going away from this one but testing the waters with uh with some new products that we're pretty pumped about awesome i'm uh i'm looking
0: forward to it so um i guess to to start off right because um i've heard in previous interviews that you know you are you have a passion for sports um i i Saw you played uh soccer in college? Is that right?
1: Yep, played soccer uh my entire life. I mean, I literally played uh from the time I could walk until even after playing collegiate soccer. Like played just intramurals in uh in Manhattan where I live. Uh, and then when COVID hit, I stopped playing, and I kept saying over and over to everyone that I need to get back into a a league. So, yeah, it's it's where it started. My dad actually played. Uh, soccer in college as well, and almost went pro. And I guess decided to uh, train racehorses
0: instead. Damn, that's crazy, man. That's that's pretty. It's pretty legit. So you almost went pro too.
1: Uh, I I didn't, uh, but he did. Wow. So yeah.
0: that's that's where that's where you got that from, right? So that's uh, that's where the passion started for
1: for the sport. Definitely, I think like just, I mean, sports in general. My mom worked for uh, ABC Sports, ESPN, for over 45 years she just recently retired so kind of sports uh rolls rolls through the family uh i always thought i wanted to work in sports uh studied like sports business in school and stuff too so um somehow i'm involved kind of ish yeah for (laughs) sure no definitely man got uh
0: a lot of athletes have been have been wearing Siegelman Stable as well, and you know we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so congratulations to to you on, on that success. But I guess to start off, right, because you do have a sports background, and you now you mentioned your your dad almost went pro too, and and uh, you know your mom, um, you know as a has a, had a big impact on ESPN and ABC. Can you talk about how uh, sports in general uh, taught you? about entrepreneurship and and what those synergies were were looking like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think for me, like, I'm a pretty scheduled uh, person who likes to follow the routine. So I think, like, just having that from the beginning of my life, playing, like, pretty competitive soccer, uh, like, Olympic development program that used to be around ODP and just travel ball and then playing in college, it's like you have a pretty set schedule where like you're up early in the morning, you got to practice or you're traveling for a game and workouts and, and class and kind of just like time management. And I think for me, that time management tool was probably one of the biggest things for me that I learned through sports. Um, And I think growing up in New York and playing in uh, just outside the city and in the city a lot, I think that's when you kind of form or, or, or see different cultures Uh, And I think that obviously has an effect on obviously where you grow up and and things that you see here. Uh, My ODP team growing up, I was probably one of maybe three or four kids who didn't speak fluent Spanish. And I picked up like pretty street Spanish. uh, (laughs) So I think just like, I mean, I think sports is one of the best ways to learn just like life lessons in general uh, and then how you pick up those lessons and apply it later on to life even when you don't realize it when you're growing up, uh, I think is a huge, uh, huge plus uh, getting those opportunities to play uh, organized sports and competitive sports growing up. For sure.
0: No, definitely. And, um, you know, just kind of going back to that, right. I mean, it sounds like one of the bigger lessons that you learned in sports is, is time management. Um, I saw you, you know, started a social media app while you were at school um, how were you able to uh, find that time as a student athlete while also kind of, you know, keeping up those or feeding those entrepreneurial like interests and um, yeah, just finding that time?
1: Yeah, I think I, well, I started it my, it was my last semester. So it was like spring soccer senior year, as you can imagine, it was, it was probably not uh, too strenuous on, on schedule, but um, I mean, I think it's for anything. I think, again, the time management piece of it is like, prioritizing what's important to you. Um, and then obviously you're a college kid and you want to have different experiences and do what college kids do, right? So um, I think just applying and understanding what your priorities are uh, and, and how you want to spend your time and what you think will pay off in the long run. I think obviously as a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, 22 year old in college, like you you look at, you um, the what's in front of you, like, what am I going to do in this hour or tonight or tomorrow? Uh, but I think I, I mean, everyone has a different experience, but I think I always had the, the vision of like, OK, what's well, after this and what can I do now to, to help build towards that. Um, but while also obviously trying to uh, get that full college experience that uh, I think a lot of uh, people definitely want to I- enjoy as much as possible.
0: For sure. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's probably what it was probably tough, right. On you too, because you were like, I mean, obviously you're very driven, but you also want to have fun and, and, uh, you know, in, in school as well, how are you able to, I guess, um, balance that like between work and, you know, just honestly just having fun and, and chilling with friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in college, I think you, you found time, like you have a lot more time in, in college and figuring that out. And then I think mm-hmm. like, Post college, like I, I probably spent a lot more time like riding solo, dolo, like putting more time into what I think would help build my life or what I thought was like an a- aspirational place that I wanted to be at, mm-hmm. uh, versus thinking that social life w- was more important. Um, like I, I'm not a big partier. Uh, I don't drink a ton at all. Uh, and I never was, was that. So I think that that's just like a personal choice. Uh, and then that choice puts me in a position where I'm not spending as much time as most of so the majority of people are, uh, focusing on those things versus, versus others. For sure. No, um,
0: I, I think that's major props to you. I, you know, I, I wish, uh, you know, I learned a little bit more of that during my time there, you know, staying disciplined. So uh but yeah
1: that's uh sounds like you were ahead of the game on on that you can be over disciplined though like (laughs) I've had moments where like I realize I'm way over disciplined and need to like chill back a little bit more and like have that time and I think like as you get older or maybe just even more current like uh like mental health and and Mm -hmm. and uh just like self-awareness and 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 all that uh a huge role in being able to take those next steps. So Definitely. And, and that comes with having more chill time and doing things that are maybe more self-fulfilling versus um, just like head down, headphones on, like work, work, work. Um, For sure. So I think you need to find that balance. And I think it's okay to do a lot of one or a lot of the other, as long as at a, a point you have that inflection point where you can try and figure it out and have some better balance uh, to to help you.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I could already tell. Like, you know, even at a young age, like I, I you know, it seems like you're, you know, just kind of ahead of the game on, on that end. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. Like, when you graduated school, um, you know, t- take us through that, like post grad, because I know a lot of kids when they graduate school. Um, you know, the, you know, some people have that entrepreneurial itch, others, you know, want to go into a more corporate position, you know, some want to go in a specific industry. I know you wanted to work in sports. So take us like what was going through your head, um, like post-grad and, and what, what your goal was, um, you know, after, after that stage of your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think for me, it was, uh, So I think now, like looking at it, like 2023 uh, versus when I graduated school, it's like you have this maybe unaware pressure. Like if your parents, if one of your parents had a corporate job or your parents want you to be safe uh, and take a corporate job and they ask questions like not even just what's the salary, but like, is there a 401k? Do you get insurance? Like, those are important things. And I think like those were definitely important things back in the day when they were, um, applying to jobs or getting jobs, right? Like, I mean, that's not to say like my dad in in a sense is an entrepreneur, right? Like he started his own business. Um, he wasn't getting insurance and a 401k and all that stuff. But I think you have to start being able to like, think for yourself at that point. I, I wasn't at that. Like my parents were definitely hesitant when I graduated school that I was going to be a part of a startup and what did that mean in terms of insurance and, and all of that? Um, so I think like there's, uh, there's been a huge transition over the last number of years where like entrepreneurship is like, is real versus you have to take this nine to five because it has insurance because it has a 401k, um, because it has all of those cushions and safety. Um, but that's not to say like, plenty of people should do that and could do that. And that's their choice. Uh, I never really wanted to like have to work for someone else and follow those rules and guidelines. Um, I, I have been lucky where I do have a corporate job. That's not necessarily, I have a lot of flexibility and it's great and the people I work with and I've, I've been there a little bit and I've kind of earned that. Um, and they don't question you about what you're doing on the side. And that was spoken about when I first joined there a number of years ago. Um, So I think like, and back to the sports thing is like, when I graduated, and I started working, I lived at home for two years after school to save money. I um, continued, though, to stay on track in terms of like, I got up at like 5.30 in the morning. I went to the gym for an hour and a half because that was relatable to my schedule before from college soccer where you'd get up early in the morning, you'd go work out or you'd go to practice and you'd go to class. So I got up early in the morning. I went to the gym. I then Jeez. went to my office, you know what I mean? And then it was like worked and worked and worked and you lived at home. So it's like your social life isn't 100. Uh, it's more like 20%. Uh, and yeah. uh, But for me, I think like, in college and when I I tore my ACL, uh, going into my sophomore year and redshirted, like I kind of found, uh, like a personal journey for me through fitness and through fitness, I would say for the first six years or five years post graduating school, uh, the majority of my relationships in business came through fitness. Uh, so that is another, was another reason that I wanted to continue that kind of like lifestyle, uh, like L. O. Cool J was a, a co-founder and investor in our company. And I wouldn't have met him unless I went to the gym at five thirty in the morning and talked to his wow. boxing coach, or introduced me to him and, and kind of led down that road. Right. So right. Um, just connecting those dots for me, that, that's kind of how I adapted or, or transitioned from like college life to uh, professional entrepreneurship.
0: Wow. That's, that's really interesting that like, the, so it sounds like, um, your ability to make connections was through fitness, um, even professionally or personally. Yeah, it definitely Um, definitely started that way. Okay.
1: Um, And then, and some of my best friends, uh, now that I've made after school or after college and high school, like came through that, uh, that's not their profession necessarily. All of them like in the fitness world, but they kind of had that same mentality, um, and, and you kind of had that in common. It's definitely it was a big piece of my uh networking ability in the beginning of uh my professional, I guess, career. So
0: is that how you um initially made connections with uh those in the fashion industry? Cause I know you um, you know, you're pretty vocal about um thinking about relationships long term, especially um you know, you talk about like working with other stylists of these artists. Um you know, how did those connections in that particular industry come about? Um, I know LL Cool J, you know, he's he's big in that space. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: in terms of fashion uh, stylists and 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 some people, like, they actually, at, at some, if you could go back far enough and connect dots, I probably got to them through someone that I met through fitness, but I think maybe directly, probably not. And that was like a little bit later down. Like, I never thought I'd be, working in fashion right like mm-hmm. I it wasn't something I had on my radar until I started Siegelman Stable and and when I started Siegelman Stable I, I literally didn't start Siegelman Stable to to do what it's been doing the last two years
0: Interesting. I did
1: it to have a hat and have a sweatshirt that said Siegelman Stable because I was like dad like why don't I have any of this shit like I had Uh, one hat that he had made in the 80s and i had one like rain jacket or or, or coach's jacket that had like my grandfather's name embroidered on the front and siegelman stable on the back and like that's all i had um and if it wasn't for the pandemic i i would have never of like had time away from my other work to sit down and like design some of this stuff and and decide to to start making it and even then when i first started i was just making like like i started this whole thing like two, 300 bucks and I made three different color hats, three different color sweatshirts, gave them the family and friends or sold it to them for like the, the whatever amount of money it cost me and just kept taking that money and putting it back into it uh, and had enough attention through my personal Instagram whenever I posted it and enough people asking me like, where do I buy it? How can I get it? Where I was just like, all right, bucket, let's put this few hundred dollars back into it, run it back and see how many times I could do this and sell out as quick as possible um, where it made sense at a certain point and got enough attention to really think about how I could make it a business and exist for a long time.
0: That's interesting. So how did you, how did you make the hats? Did you make them at your home, like apartment, or did you have like a manufacturer?
1: So I I live in, I live in Brooklyn and in New York and, uh, asked around about, uh, different embroidery studios and print shops and, uh, I make everything in in Brooklyn, ten minutes from my apartment, and I still do. Wow! So, yeah,
0: all all on from hand, like just yourself, or do you have a team? No, like
1: these there's the uh, the shops that I use uh, do like tremendous work. Uh, obviously, like they have a bunch of machines and and all that, so um, they're they're great. Um, and and I like to keep it local, I like to be pretty. Of course, so, of yeah. course, yeah.
0: I feel like that's the way to go about it today too, because you know, especially with Shopify and all these tools that allow you to do print on demand and kind of it's, uh you know, especially the past couple of years. So I think uh, that's another advantage. You know, it's, it comes off as more authentic. I feel like Siegelman stable because, you know, it's not just like a print on demand, you know, scaling Facebook ads. Like
1: it's, yeah, uh, I mean, we've never, I've never spent any money on ads. Yeah, uh, I've, I've done this all like straight up organic using relationships that I've garnered over the last eight to 10 years um, and, and been lucky enough where people uh, enjoy the story. And, and obviously wow. the stuff we make, I, it, it's hard when you sell something online and someone sees it for the first time and has never felt it or put it on yeah. uh, to know how, how good it is, how it fits, what kind of materials we're using and all that. So um, it's helpful when someone like a Kendall Jenner or a future uh, where's it because it kind of gives that validation without having to touch it yourself. Um, and that was really, uh, uh, has been a big piece uh, for me.
0: For sure. And um, you know, obviously it seems like you're, you know, well-connected in you know different areas, you know, whether it's, you know, tech or, or now more so fashion and sports. Um, how do you like keep those lines of communication open over a long period of time? Because yeah. I feel like that's, yeah really really tough um if
1: you ask uh any of my closest friends or family i say this all the time is i try and talk to 150 people a day whether that's on a phone call a text message an email uh teams mess like whatever mm. instagram dm twitter like whatever like if you can keep as many lines of communication that have substance i mean sometimes there's no substance right uh I think it's super important. Uh, I still control uh, Siegelman Stable Instagram. I will pretty much respond to 99% of the people, unless something real stupid, uh, and and carry those conversations. Um, Lucky enough, my girlfriend doesn't care that I'm on my phone and answering messages and calls all all day, um, because it does take time. Um, But I understand the value of um, relationships, uh, and I think it's important... If someone hears that, it's like, you you shouldn't always think that, um, you shouldn't always want, want something out of a relationship immediately. Mm. Like, I think, uh, if you can carry on relationships and, uh, introduce someone for some, uh, for something to someone else or, or, uh, help them out with something like that there's value in that versus asking for, uh, for money in return. Um, and I've had that mentality for, since I graduated school, um, and that's opened the door to a lot of relationships that I've kept for a ton of years, um, to people, um, that a lot of people would want to have relationships with, uh, I I don't ask, uh, for for a lot. And then I finally had something with, which is Siegelman stable to offer someone, whether it's a hat or sweatshirt or whatever it is. And, and. And have them be able to be happy to support uh that which has been which has been great oh man that's uh
0: that's awesome and i think that's uh it's challenging to do that right like especially when you're first starting a brand and you know it's tough because sometimes when you reach out to people it's like um you know sometimes they get a sense of like okay what do they want from me you know maybe this is Um, a little weird that he's reaching out but, it, you know, good for you to, like, keep those lines of communication over the years where it's like all right, consistent basis um, where it's not like, OK, they haven't chat with you 10 years. you know, And then that you hit them up out of,
1: all out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, and- if that was the, I would never hit someone up. I haven't spoken to yeah. five, 10 years. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. Then that relationship isn't isn't bringing value to me or them. Mm, uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to be out here begging. That's just not my vibe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I
0: got you. I got you. Um, no, that's awesome, man. I, I think that's, that's my biggest weakness. So
1: that's why I was asking you, you know, how you keep those, uh, you know, lines of communication open. I, mean, I mean, and communication um, is another, like bringing it back to sports. is like another thing I played goalie, right? So it's like 11 v 11, you got 10 players in front of you. You're the last man. You're the one who's communicating which way to move, which way to do everything. So I think like I learned communication is like one of the most important tools through sports. Definitely. Um, again something else that i carried over i think to just life in general
0: definitely definitely um one story i thought was really interesting was uh like the, the dm that you sent to virgil Ablo. um can you can you just kind of run that run run by that real quick and and uh you know talk about how you brought value to him and maybe how you created that relationship because he's a legend obviously and and uh you know in the fashion industry and and what what he's uh innovated so i'm curious what what your relationship was like with him
1: uh yeah i mean so uh my relationship with virgil started even before i started siegelman stable um i kind of so it it was a little bit random uh i i there's definitely things that like you pay attention to in culture and people you pay attention to or, or projects that are going on and things you see Um, and if you feel that you have something, uh, that you can provide to benefit them, whether they're thinking of it or not, uh, I have the mentality of like, fuck it. Why not reach out? What's the worst that'll happen. Right. Um, I have, I had some mutual friends with him and I mean, I sent him a DM. I didn't think he would ever answer. Um, but I understood what he was doing, what he was working on. And I understood what I had in my quote unquote arsenal that I could help him with to add value to the biggest project he was working on at the time. Gotcha. Uh, and I reached out to him, I sent him a DM, I kind of explained it. And a day later, or maybe even a few hours later, he responded and I was like, I love this. Like, what's your sale? started going back on WhatsApp, a thousand text messages and yeah. one sheets and, and just like drawing outlines and all that stuff. And um, the next time he was in New York a few weeks or a month or whatever later, Um, just like had the opportunity to sit down with him um, and kind of just show the concept uh, face-to-face and that's kind of how it started we continued to have like dialogue and uh, about other projects and a bunch of other stuff for a few years and he was someone that I just went back and forth with uh, a bunch on random shit Uh, shit he wasn't involved with stuff I wasn't involved with that he was doing um, and that was kind of what our relationship was like, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously, um, he spoke to tons and tons of, of people and entrepreneurs in, in, in different verticals, uh, of culture, whether it was fashion or, uh, sports or whatever, um, and had a huge impact on, uh, on a ton of people. Definitely. So was that just to clarify? So that was, um,
0: before Siegelman's stable, right? That was, um, yep.
1: yeah,
0: gotcha. So, do did any of those conversations, you know, play a part as far as like the vision for for Siegelman Stable? Obviously, the foundation was already there, but maybe the conversations that you had with him and and kind of, uh, bringing that aesthetic into your own brand,
1: or yeah, th- I think um, Siegelman Stable wasn't even a thought in my mind, uh, mm-hmm. majority of the time that uh, we spent together and talked about stuff and all that. Like it was pre COVID. Uh, and I literally didn't even yeah. never could imagine that Siegelman's stable was a thing, but fast forward to when I was doing it, I obviously like, I felt that I learned a lot from him, whether it was from afar or when we were together or, or talking through text or whatever. Right. Um, so I think, probably self-consciously i'm sure i thought of things when i was doing stuff that that i learned um but before i started him unstable, i mean i i I like i know i guess it's kind of it but maybe consciously knowing everything that he's done and and i think uh, i think i educated myself just being around him and in conversations uh probably applied some of those things to it
0: gotcha um interesting so when, when you I guess go into that right more specifically when you started Siegelman Stable what were some of the sacrifices or um you know was there anything that you were hesitant about um doing when, when you were a lot um sort of like almost rebranding um yeah I mean I
1: think uh I had no fucking idea what I was doing um yeah. I never thought I'd work in fashion I never made clothes I never looked at myself as a designer or anything like that mm-hmm. um and I just talk to as many people as I could possibly talk to that have been through it. we doing it from a time perspective. I had as much time as I needed. I couldn't leave my apartment. Uh, uh I lived in a studio in, in Williamsburg in Brooklyn and, uh, just tried to be a sponge and learn as much as possible and figure it out. Um, but while doing that, I just said, fuck it, let's just do it. Uh, I mean, the thing for me is like, I had these two logos, the one that's on your hat and mine and, and the one that's been on the sweatshirt and jackets and other stuff that we've made. And these are the two original logos that my mom literally hand drew in, in the eighties or whatever. And that's what I started with. Mm. Uh, yeah, That's all I, I used really for probably the first close to a year and then started doing a bunch of other either collaborations or, or other projects and, and capsules. Um, and then that's when we really started to get into like some other design stuff. Um my girlfriend is a huge piece of this where it's literally just her and I running this shit. And she has a fashion background uh, and i lean on her for a lot of the design, aesthetic uh, and, and, and fashion pieces of it. Uh, and I think even more so going into this year when we're looking at doing some cut and sew stuff and, and, and kind of having those um, higher end types of pieces versus using blanks and all of that uh i think it's a huge uh evolving and evolution phase for for what we really want to do
0: no for sure um yeah i was just you know i was just curious uh you know how that came about and um you know even from your dad's point of view like has there been like a change of ad have you noticed like a change of attitude when you started this you know say two years ago versus today um yeah <laughs> like, definitely. I mean- like-
1: I mean, my parents love it. My dad loves it. I think in the beginning, it was definitely, like, a little skeptical. I think mm-hmm. I had a family member, not brother or or my parents, say, like, who the fuck's going to wear a Siegelman Stable hat or sweatshirt? Like, and I, like, I don't think I answered. Uh, and then I, I think I just let it show for itself. Um, and I don't think I had an answer at that point either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely – Think back on it and used it as like some motivation factor, um, but I think there was some skepticism or laughs and like I don't I think people just didn't know what the fuck to expect. I mean, because I right. definitely didn't know what to expect either, right? Yeah. Um, but I look at it as a, a proof point of of what I can bring to the table for um, a brand or uh, from marketing tactic or whatever um and i just think it's uh cool that i've taken it as far as i've taken it and i think we have uh a lot a lot a lot more to come and and we have some huge projects coming up real soon and throughout 2023 already on the calendar so pretty pumped for for what's coming
0: for sure for sure what um is there is there anything uh you could give us a sneak peek on
1: or <laughs> uh our first big project is around Super Bowl um we okay. will uh be doing the drop a week or so before um it is uh a part of an event that's going on there um uh, but that's much as that I can say for that uh, uh we will have in the spring summer fall some collabs with uh an NBA team an MLB team um a professional athlete that I think, uh, a younger generation and older generation can relate to and, um, has a lot of respect for and I'm super pumped for it. it. might be one of my most, uh, exciting projects yet. Um, so there's just a lot, uh, and, uh, it, it should be fun and, and, uh, may have a, a fun surprise for New York fashion week in, uh, in September too. So awesome, man. Awesome. I mean, now, I'm
0: just looking at the list, right? I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, Kylie Jenner, future, Roddy Rich, like, you no, know, I think I saw Justin Bieber like wear the Siegelman stable shirt, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so. Like, um to what like as someone that started this two years ago who had no idea that this was gonna be a, a staple in fashion, um, what's that? I mean it must be pretty surreal. I mean especially um you know since you're still working a full-time job too. Like how how are you doing it? Like
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I mean it is definitely surreal when someone like Bieber wears your t-shirt or a jacket or future wears a the hat in a music video or or whatever it's it's uh awesome. Sometimes I still feel like unexpected. Uh, but I think it's definitely just motivational to like, keep going too. Right. Uh and I think it's cool where these people who are so big to wear it, but it's still kind of a, if you know, you know, type of, of brand. And like, I hear, I hear people all the time, whether I know them or not, like, Oh, I saw someone in a seal and say, well, and went up to them and talked to them and asked them if they knew you. And they were like, no, they have no idea who you are. Or if they did, they would go into a conversation. It's like, almost like it's a networking tool also. Right. Um, and I went out with the, with the concept when I really knew that I was going to, press on the gas and, 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 and lean into this. Um, it's like, I wanted to keep it like an early Supreme days, um, type of vibe where like, I'm not overselling product and making tens of thousands of pieces. Um, but, uh, and trying to have that resale factor. Um, because I think that that helps grow business and grow hype and all of that. And we've done a really, really good job at that. If you go into grail, and you search for, C&S, I saw that. there's a yeah. bunch of pieces uh, and there's a balance to that. And I think at the end of last year, we were toying with that balance. I think we might've gone too much on one side of the scale versus another and tried to get back. And, but I think we kind of figured it out. Um, and uh, I've gotten enough DMs on Siegelman's Stable and on my personal where it's like, what are you selling? Five hats? I can never get a hat at the drop. And we, and we listened and we, we, upped, we upped quantities of hats we were putting out and we wanted to give people a, more of an opportunity. But if we see resales start to go way too many hats, uh, we had to change our policy to where you can only buy one hat. Uh, and if we see multiple hats when we're going through the orders, We'll literally cancel your order, uh, and we won't send you multiple hats. So um, <laughs> like we're we're trying our best. We're literally a two-person uh company doing what we can do. Um, and uh I think we're doing a pretty good damn job at this point, and we're continuing to do things on the back end that people don't see to help uh grow the business, but stay true to. What we really want to do and growing the brand and getting it out there further and then obviously our mission statement of of donating a portion of proceeds to equine therapy programs and um and i think we've done a really good job at that we've we've donated a a big check at the end of the year for 10k and maybe it's not big in someone else's eyes but to us as a two-year-old company uh writing a 10k check on top of other donations that you've done in the last year or two it, it is uh, a good amount and, and we're happy with with what we're doing and, and making an impact and uh in that
0: for sure no definitely I mean that's I mean again it's you know when I heard you started this like two years ago or so I was like geez man this is it's uh pretty epic so um but awesome so I, I saw like uh, with the Kentucky Kentucky Derby right I saw that was a goal of yours Do you think that's something you'll do um
1: uh i think so the the derby is uh it's a different kind of racing but obviously the audience is is there uh i was actually disappointed i said all the time is that f1 in miami was the same weekend as the kentucky derby last year and i felt like a real like disrespect to Mm -hmm. kentucky derby and and even just in times like of tv time and, and advertising time it was like all about f1 right Um, which is cool. Like I'm all about it. I think it's the same weekend again this year and then they're finally changing it after that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's an opportunity something at Kentucky Derby for me. I love to, uh, I love to show up in unexpected places. Uh, So horse fans will be at Kentucky Derby, but I don't know if horse fans are our biggest customer, right? Like I like showing up in Manhattan or in Brooklyn on the street with like my dad and a model like wearing our new kit like walking two fucking mini horses in front yeah. of our manhattan bridge right and like me like showing up in unexpected places being able to grow an audience uh from a streetwear lifestyle to music lifestyle sports lifestyle uh luxury fashion lifestyle and kind of bring it all together um mm-hmm. has been a huge goal of mine and i want to continue doing that so yeah, I think showing up at Kentucky Derby doing something is cool, and, and maybe somewhere down the line. But I think definitely showing up at some more unexpected places and it's sticking out um, is more exciting to me. It's harder, I think, but I think it's more exciting.
0: Absolutely, hundred percent. I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, I'm I actually am am seeing that I have one minute left in the meeting, and I also don't want to take up too much of your time. So um, I guess to to wrap it up, um, I am curious. Um, what do you think is more important in a, in a, uh, when starting a a brand in general, um, exclusivity or affordability?
1: Uh, a balance of both. Um, that's probably a shitty, like politically correct answer. Um, so in the beginning, like I, we've upped our prices of hats. Um, but I felt that we were at a point that one, we had to, um, but like, if someone's willing to pay $350 on resale for a hat. Why couldn't I up the hat a few bucks, right? Um, and I think our quality continues to increase. Um, but I also think that there is a huge balance needed of putting too much out and keeping demand. Um, but I think that we've figured out a really good structure, whether it's dropping something every Friday or every other Friday, um, and up in quant- and even up in quantities to get more people the opportunity to get it. Um, and I think it will evolve and change from when you do your first.
0: What's going on, guys? Uh, Hope everyone is enjoying this episode. Um, This show is actually brought to you by an app called Versus Game, a really cool app. If you haven't heard of it, it's, it's basically an opportunity for you to make money from your own knowledge. So if you think you know everything, this app is for you. Um, everyone is talking about it because it lets you again win money for being right. So, just imagine a social media feed where uh, every video is a question, there's just two possible answers, so, 50 50 chance that you're right. And so, you as a player can play these questions for free, or you can play with real money, so, one dollar up to a hundred dollars per question. And so, you're gonna be playing against other people. Um, And Versus Game uh, finds these people for you and they match them against you. So some really cool stuff, get your friends involved. Um, I know Wild Chat Sports has been involved. Um, We're gonna be posting questions each week. So it's a great opportunity for you guys to see if you're right, test your knowledge, earn some money. So again, go download the Versus Game app, go follow us at Wild Chat Sports. Play our question and other questions that you think you know the answer to. Um, Again, that's versus game, one word, no space. Um, And then we'll be also uh, talking about the result of each question um, in the next episode on here as well. Um, And then we'll introduce a new question. So really cool stuff again. Um, I'll also be replying to comments. So after you vote, let us know your reasoning. We'd love to hear it. i can figure it out yeah so we were uh we were just talking about like affordability (laughs) affordability versus uh exclusivity
1: yeah and I, i think i left off saying um i think it'll evolve from your first drop to your 30th 40th whatever drop you're up to um and i think you just have to adapt and change with the business as you see it continue to grow or get to an inflection point where you need to change something for uh, for the better uh or for what your community and audience uh and customers are are looking for gotcha gotcha um
0: and, and so as far as like other brands too is like um because I, I was thinking about that like where have you looked at like how was there any inspiration on other brands currently that that you kind of uh look at as well or is it just solely um you know just you're kind of just have that full creative control
1: over yourself Yeah, i think you you have the full creative control but i think you need to like have your pulse on on culture and what people are leaning towards and looking at and interested in and what brands that are similar or aspirational to you are doing and how they're handling it um and i think you have to not copy and paste but i think uh have it fit for your brand and your vision and your mission and what you want to do, but also understand where culture's at, where customers are at, um, and what they want, uh, to to see and figure out how to, uh, not adapt, but, uh, gear your business and and gear your brand, Mm. uh, but still staying true to what you are and, and your brand story
0: absolutely definitely um is there a brand that that kind of kind of comes off the top of your head
1: as far as uh i won't say any particular brands um but i mean i definitely pay super close attention to a a ton of brands both in streetwear luxury fashion um i think you can take inspiration from a super high-end brand and i think you could take inspiration from uh, a lower-end brand or brand that's on the same spectrum uh as you um bring all of those different energies and vibes that you see from ones that you like, um, and have them work, work for you. Definitely. So would you,
0: by a uh, definition for Siegelman stable, do you see it as more of a luxury brand or a, uh, more streetwear, uh, aesthetic, um, or both?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's both. I think it, it definitely started more aesthetically sh- streetwear. Um, and I think there's, a uh, uh, more open door for opportunity when starting a brand there both from a, a financial standpoint um an audience standpoint um and how you garner your and grow your community and fan base and, and customer base and where that can go um and i think we are leaning um and continuing like i said to to evolve with it and and continue to uh Increase our quality mm. uh, and, and roll out more and more items. Uh, and like I said earlier, like we're starting to do on the back end some of our own cut and sew. And I think yeah. that tends to skew more higher end. It's not necessarily out of streetwear, um, but I think uh, the intersection of high end fashion and streetwear—I uh, mean—climaxed with what we were talking with Virgil and what we were talking yeah. about, right? So um, I think that that'll continue. Um, and I think that we just take those, uh, those things and apply it to our, our vision. Um, and I think people will, will hook onto it. You're always going to have people who drop off and and don't love what you do, but I think fuck it, stay true to what you're doing, uh, if it's worked for you. So. For sure. Do you
0: think the collaboration with the Spurs too, kind of, um, made it almost like a more of a, made it like more of a luxury brand as well, just because the NBA is is uh, such a big brand. Yeah, or... this, honestly,
1: I think I think brands at this point in fashion can flex. Uh, mm-hmm. and by flex, I mean like can be streetwear and can be luxury. I think our our Spurs collection was like very, with to me, very street. Mm-hmm. Though the content we created felt. Uh, yeah spooky as fuck, but felt more luxury streetwear. Mm. Um, the way we shot it, it was like very like Margiela vibe. Mm. Um, but I think when you have a brand, dude, it's twenty twenty three. Like I think you can you can go from super streetwear to like tomorrow I can roll out like a leather jacket that's twenty five hundred bucks. Exactly. <laughs> someone I think will fucking like it and buy it. Like I, think yeah. there's just so much opportunity in fashion if if you are open to flexibility as long as you stay true to your brand um so i don't i i think the doors are open on all different sides of it for us um and i think you'll see that in the next 12 months for us interesting
0: and how how did you get the collaboration or how did you make that connection
1: with the spurs was that a it's all been so connection? organic i met someone who worked for the spurs front office uh very randomly in Texas at like a wow. network dinner, sat next to him, uh started talking. We were both interested in fitness. He was training for a triathlon or, or or a half triathlon. I was there for 48 hours and then I was flying on to like Phoenix for work. Uh and I was like, what are you doing tomorrow morning? He's like, I got a run and then a swim and a bike. But like my first workout's a track workout. I was like, what time can you pick me up at the hotel? Like yeah. literally that's how it started. And six months later we drop the collab so um that's insane it's been all so organic uh all inbound which we've been super lucky about Uh, i was gonna ask that as well yeah and i'm uh i mean we're fortunate right like this doesn't happen to everyone and i understand that and i don't take it for granted and that's why i want to continue to feed our community things that really represent what i want Siegelman Stable to be and mm-hmm. stay true to our, our mission and our brand story and my dad's story and telling it through fashion uh, and staying true to donating money to equine therapy. Cause one that's a hundred percent super important to my dad and has always been since he's at his own stable till, till now. Um, so it's an important piece of our puzzle.
0: Yeah. I saw the jackets uh that you guys are out. Is, is that a sneak peek to, working uh, on something. yeah. <laughs> really all know. right. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Um, yeah. I want to uh, give the, uh, the the correct way of uh, doing an outro here. I know we got cut off there. Um, extreme apologies, but I I, I truly am uh, extremely thankful uh, that you took this time, Max. Um, I'm a. I mean, I'll say it again. Like I'm a huge fan of of this brand. I I think I have four Instagram pictures up right now, and almost all four of them have this hat on. So. Um, oh, I've, I've this one and the, the red one and the, the, uh, yellow emblem in the middle. So, um, more. yeah, so I'm, I'm excited, man. Um, I'm really, uh, I've been telling all my friends, you know, I'm showing, um, Aaron judge, like the Aaron judge picture and, and, uh, they're like, Oh man, the, these hats are sick. So I'm going to keep, uh, and, and I also like the mission that you guys are going in as far as, um, you know, giving back, uh, to different, you know, variety of therapy groups. So, um, just wanna say that I know uh that uh cutoff was, was not the most professional thing. So oh, good. Um, thank you again. Um and uh just know I'm we're always here to support and uh, I'm excited to cover this article and, and do a write up on, on your story and looking forward to uh to what you guys got next. And uh yeah, I can't wait for it, man. So keep killing it. I
1: appreciate it. I appreciate the time uh and all. So
0: thank you absolutely man absolutely well uh best of luck happy new year and uh yeah looking forward to what you guys got up next
1: you too stay in touch thanks man
0: absolutely appreciate it, max all right cool man this is uh this is good we're good